It is episode 52 of Honestly Unbalanced, and we go on a journey from crack to coconuts with Brett Moran, who is an author, uh, a yogi, and an online entrepreneur. I will not believe you if you say you listened to this episode and didn't feel in some way happier or inspired or shed a few joyful tears in the process of listening to it. It is an awesome episode, one of our favourite for a while. Brett's been meditating for 20 years since his first wake-up call in prison, and through meditation and self-study, Brett found a better way to create more freedom in life, and now he coaches people all over the world who want to wake up and create a little bit more abundance and joy. Brett lives in Thailand, and he's working from there, sipping coconuts daily. And Brett has been really kind and has given all of our listeners a ridiculous £1,200 off his next online course, which means that you actually get it for £800. The next one is starting very soon. If you head to thehustlers.com and look at our show notes, you will see a little affiliate link. And if you click that on Brett's uh, on Brett's episode, that will get you that massive discount. And we have also two more little discounts for you. We have 10% off Lifeform yoga mats and Lifeform have just released a giant yoga mat that's suitable for anyone who wants more space or anyone like me who has pretty long limbs. So code the hustlers, all capitals, that's T-H-E-H-U-S-L-E-R-S. That will give you that discount. And also 37% off with that same code on the My Protein website so particularly with the clothing the clothing is what i'm wearing and have been wearing for the last few months but they also have protein supplements and all sorts of other stuff on the my protein website the same code the hustlers for 37 percent off and if there is a discount that code still gets you a little bit more than whatever big discount there is on or big sale they have on on the website and last one 25 percent off our, our online platform where there is yoga and meditation and sound journeys uh so i code the hustlers but 25 on the end of it so the hustlers 25 gets 25 percent off uh, a single 12 months membership or any kind of reoccurring monthly membership forever and that's all the blurb from me enjoy the episode i know you definitely will enjoy this one and please do if you enjoy leave a review share it spread the word we put lots of work into this uh, and we want as many people to listen as possible thanks guys enjoy honestly unbalanced tell us about what we're looking at because it looks stunning envy inducing <laughs> so you're looking at a very red-nosed <laughs> called brett because i've been out today on a photo shoot um drinking coconuts riding motorbikes around a little island called Kopangyang in thailand so the red nose is because i didn't put any sun cream on so i've burnt my nose um and i'm in a beautiful three bedroom villa with a swimming pool to my right overlooking the ocean um and the funny thing is one of the toilets one of the bathrooms in this villa is bigger than the prison cell that i used to live in so it it, it makes me laugh and i say that because i'm just i think life is just such an adventure <laughs> if i walk around this house thinking how did you end up here mate like what happened but so uh i'm i'm in this little bubble at the moment just walking around a bit dazed and confused thinking how did this work out but it is it's bliss yeah very 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 grateful for this uh how long has this been your setup because i know you've been backwards and forwards a lot over the lot like this current kind of house big house near the beach etc how long has that been your setup so i've been on, i've been in this house for nearly a year 
Um, and I was living on, I was literally living in a one bedroom beach bungalow for about two years, just going very deep into my practice, just meditating, confused about what to do next. And then just surrendering, just did a lot of surrendering, sat, sat, sat on the beach with a street dog and just meditated. Um, I did that for about two years. And then I was working in a place called Vacasa for about two years. So I've been permanently in Thailand five, five years. Um, and before I've been going on and off to Thailand, on and off to Thailand for like 20 years. Vacasa, is that the one in Koh Samui? That's one. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's yeah, where yeah. I did my training. All those. No way. Yeah, about God, six or seven years ago now. Yeah, that's crazy. I, think I probably, yeah, I probably started about five or six years ago. Actually, wow, yeah, amazing. Yeah. So as it's you a beautiful went, place. Oh, it's so beautiful. I'm, I'm so envious right now. I just want to zap myself where you are. <laughs> <laughs> so as you dove straight in at the beginning, would you be able to share your story about where you were before and how you got to where you are now? Let's just dive straight in. Say as much as you yeah, want. Yeah. From from the cracks the crack to coconut story. I love that, that title. I, I was scrolling through your Instagram. I thought that is that is a catchy title. Is that, is that the title of your next book? <laughs> no. no, it's actually from dealing to healing. But we've had such great response and engagement from crack to coconut. So, so my, my brain's starting to. Uh, I might have to ask people what they want me to call it rather than what I want to call it. <laughs> that works. That's that. That works. Yeah, that so, works. So the question. I, I, is... I think there should be a little song around it as well. Can yeah. you sing? <laughs> <laughs> That's next. Only if you sing it, Adam. <laughs> Only if you sing it. <laughs> So yeah, how did you go from crack to coconuts then is the question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great. great. It's a great question. So yeah, I, if I'm really honest, I came to Thailand for all of the wrong reasons, for go-go bars. Um, I used to smoke a drug out here called Yabba, which is like the Thailand's kind of like amphetamine. And I got very, very lost out here um, on the drugs and partying. Um, in the beginning, I kind of enjoyed it, if I'm honest. You know, it was like every young man's dream that liked partying and drugs. Um, but to be honest with you, there, there was a moment where I was like, I was so depressed. I couldn't stop taking these drugs. Like I stood on the edge of a balcony in Patea in Thailand, and I was just about to jump off the balcony. And I don't know, something, it, you know, I'm not into, I, I believe in something higher. I don't know what it is. But when I was on that balcony, it felt like a gust of wind just pushed me back into the room. Like I just stepped backwards. I physically took a step backwards and it snapped me out of this crazy thought of just jumping off the, off the balcony. Um, and I just broke down in tears. I just cried. And I had like a, I think I had a lady boy in the bedroom at the time, I had loads of drugs all over the table. And I was like, what am I doing? And I had a daughter back home in England who was about free. Mm. And it just got me, like, it just really hit me. Like at the beginning, the drugs and the partying was fun going to Ibiza, going to Thailand. And then after a while, I just became very depressed. And I don't think a lot, well, I, where I come from and back then, like you're going back 20 years ago, like you, you didn't really talk about mental health and you didn't really okay. open up your emotions mm. to your mates, mm -hmm. you know? So um, I just tortured myself with just taking more and more drugs. And the, the crazy thing, I say funny thing, everything happens for a reason, but um, one of the go-go girls took me to a temple in Thailand and I got on my hands and knees and I come from no religious background whatsoever. Like my dad was a racist football hooligan. So, you know, he'd take me to football matches and we'd chant racist remarks. That was your religion. That was my religion. Yeah, yeah. Football, football. football beer and girls. Yeah. <laughs> so basically I didn't sit on his lap at nighttime and like hear these kind of bedtime stories about spirituality. Um, but when I went to that temple and I got on my hands and knees and I prayed, I don't know, I had the goosebumps. Something just went through me and... Uh, I left Thailand. I came back after like a couple of months, went back to the old area, the council state that I lived in, kind of the outskirts of South London. And I had this voice before I even got off of the plane in Heathrow. It just said, leave. You wow. need to leave. 
And so, um, yeah, as, as hard as it was, probably one of the hardest choices of it to make, I left my girlfriend at the time with my daughter, like she was two, about three, I think, actually. And I moved about two hours out of um, Carshorton and I moved to a place called Salisbury near Stonehenge. And it was the first time I ever saw a cow in a field. I was like, no. what how, is old that? You, how old are you at this point? Yeah. I was 21, I think. That's your first 21. cow. First cow. Yeah, my first cow, yeah. <laughs> the only cows I'd ever seen was in McDonald's. <laughs> 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 so I was just like, what have I done? Like I'm li- I was like party scene, you know, selling drugs, partying, going to go-go bar. Now I'm living in this little village in Salisbury. Everyone talks like a farmer. And you know, the funny thing is the cottage is exactly the same as those beams in your house. But again, like, I don't know. I just felt like it was, there was something guiding me. There was some intuition and it came from that, that voice from the temple. Mm-hmm. It's in a voice that we sometimes deny. It's in a voice that we sometimes feels a bit, but it was better than the crazy voices in my head. So yeah, to cut a long story short, it's been a, a bit of a 20 year journey of listening to that voice more, learning to love myself, learning to speak up about those suicidal, depressing mm-hmm. thoughts. And um, it just set me free. It just feel very, very free. And obviously meditation became a way of life. I, I went to prison after that, believe it or not. And then I found a, a book in, in prison about meditation. And I just taught myself to meditate in my first lockdown, which was in a prison cell for about eight months. And I just meditated and meditated and meditated. And obviously I didn't change overnight. You know, I went back to prison a year later. I, I slipped up a thousand times. I think Adam said something great before we started this podcast. Like, you know, everybody's showing, sharing photos of a great life. Everybody talks about this great life, but I still go through stuff. You know, I'm happy to admit that I haven't sussed it. I'm just not smoking crack and going to go-go bars anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, I still wake up in funk. So I still need to take control of this monkey mind. And uh, I still have these desires and these urges that sometimes can try and lead me down the path. But it's just a lot better, I think, when you're meditating and you're doing your best to just to surrender to whatever it is. Like at what moment did you think this is going to be like my life now? Because you said you went back from meditating, you went back and forward, prison and back and forwards. So at what point did you think, this? actually, no, this is now what I'm doing? Of course, it's been along the way, but when did it become the intention? I think it's when I had my daughter. Like, it actually goes back further. Like, I had this beautiful being arrive. You know, her mum had gone through the labour. Um, she's exhausted. She's laying in bed fast asleep. And I'm, I'm left in the bed uh, in the hospital room with this little bundle of joy. It was like literally holding God or bliss in your hands. Like I can't describe that feeling, you know, like when you get a puppy or, you know, the, when you hear the ice cream man, when you're a kid and you're running around to get the ice cream, it's like times that by a million and you've got this, this, this being, this creation in your hands. And I looked at her little eyes. I looked at her little nose, tears just rolled down. And back then I'm, I'm a geezer, you know, I'm a, I'm a man, you know, I don't cry. And that's what I thought anyway. And, <laughs> I just, these tears just came naturally out of my eyes. Um, and I held this little baby in my arms and I was just blown away. It just felt phenomenal. And as amazing as that was, I then realized I was a mess. Like if I can't look after myself, how am I going to look after her? And that I think was what started it off. And it actually, it got worse before it got better. Mm. I, I, because I realized I was a rubbish father, or I believed that I was a failure and I wasn't a good role model. I kind of self-destructed. I made it harder on myself. I was like, you know, trying to self-destruct more because I didn't match up to what she deserved. Um, but as luck would have it, or maybe as, uh, you know, how the path turns out, she actually saved me, man. Mm. You know, it was her that kind of... I believe saved me all the temples and meditations, all the teachers, all the retreats, all the gurus that I've met. It's been a great and amazing, but she's been my little guru. Even now she's like, 
19, 20 this year and she's still my teacher. <gasps> Oh, 20, I, I saw yeah. a picture of you both well I mean you were obviously a lot younger and she was yeah just a little girl and it was just it was so lovely to see god I can't believe that 1920 wow 20, yeah so where's she at the moment she's with her mum in in Carshorton yeah oh, yeah okay. Sorry. does she yeah. come does she come to see you yeah she's been here she's been yeah. here I'm the kind of dad that lets her ride a motorbike and uh, just fly around <laughs> and I don't tell your mum I bet she loves and that. I take videos <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when did the when did what you do become more formal as in you so you're meditating from books etc you know like visiting temples when did you start like the education in like yoga or more formal meditation like, how did that happen yeah I think I've, again like at the beginning it was a very kind of like oh meditating finding bliss oh let's go out and get a load of drugs so it was like if I could share a message to anybody before I mention that, it's like, if you decide to change your life, whether it's quitting drugs or going on a diet, or do, you're probably going to screw up and slip up a thousand yeah. times before mm. you get it. Yeah. So if you can just be okay with that, like I basically become aware that that's going to happen. I've never seen anybody just go like that overnight. I definitely haven't experienced it. Um, and I say it to a lot of our students and our clients, it's like, be okay with it. Because in every single one of those blips, it's actually a massive learning opportunity. So I had that for like five years, six years on and off. I, I was meditating, getting months of feeling great. And then I'd just go out with my mates on a Friday or with my uncle and we'd go and drink. And then I'd just get smashed for like a weekend and feel depressed for weeks yeah. and weeks and weeks. Um, and then I decided enough was enough. I think I was like 26, maybe something like that. I flew to Thailand and there's a, a temple in Thailand called Wat Tam Krabok. And I don't know if you've heard of it. They've done a documentary where they take addicts and alcoholics and you basically you drink this magic potion which is like 128 minerals um, like flowers and essences and it's literally just like you're just drinking a cup of mud and, <laughs> and then you just and for like two hours you're just being sick and it's like a ceremony and you just you projectile vomit is it hallucinogenic as well it's not like ayahuasca or any of Bufo or any of that kind of stuff. It was a very more earthy and grounded as like, there wasn't really hallucinations. No, it was more just a very heightened sense of awareness. But I think the, the, the biggest thing for that is before you take that, you have to make a sacred vow to Buddhism or to the monks. So there's me, like 26 year old dude can just about speak English. And I'm trying to chant with like 10 monks in a circle, like, and I'm getting all the words wrong. And I have no idea what's going on. I'm like a duck out of water. But my vow was to quit alcohol for five years. And so I just promised that I'd stop drinking for five years. I didn't want to say forever because I thought I'd never, I thought I'd just start drinking again after five years, if I'm honest. And that was my little vow. And then I went down, sat on my hands and knees with all these Thai people, took the potion. I was sick. And do you know what? I've never drunk since. That was like 13, 13 wow. years ago. 20, oh my gosh. Well, probably more than that now. Yeah, I haven't, haven't touched it. No cravings. I don't think I'm an alcoholic or an addict. I just, just, yeah. And so that's when it got more real. That's when I was like, oh, wow, you know. I don't, I don't enjoy that. And so then I took my meditation practice and Buddhism a bit more seriously then. I was like practicing that a lot. Mm. It's interesting what you say about the blips. I think even in down the microcosm of like a yoga class, you know, we say, or even in meditation, we say, you know, your mind, you know, let's not make your mind wonder, try and keep it as calm as possible. But I think it's important that we know that when it does wonder, we don't think, oh, fuck it, let's just go on a little journey. We acknowledge yeah. it without judgment. And that's the key is that without judgment bit. Or where you say yeah. when you fuck up, you fuck up, but you do it without judgment. You you note it's happened, you acknowledge it, you learn from it, but then you carry on doing the thing you intended to do. But judgment's a yeah. case. It's so easy to judge yourself and say, oh, I'm doing crap, I'm shit. Let's just mm. revert back. Self-sabotage. I love what Eckhart Tolle says. He says, the problem isn't the problem. The problem is what you think about the problem. Mm. Mm. 
And so there's nothing wrong with fucking up. In fact, if, you, if you're human, you're going to do that a lot in life, in relationships, in love, in money, in business, in addictions, in habits, in yoga, right? You're not going to get every warrior pose perfect. You're going to fall off the mat, you know? But then the problem is what we think about what we just did after. Mm. Oh, I fell off the mat and I'm overweight and I'm stupid and everyone else is better than me. Oh, I've just taken drugs again and you've, you know, you're a failure. You're never going to get it. Or, oh, I've just lost money in my business and that means I'm never going to succeed. Or, oh, I've just made my, you know, relationship like bad and now she doesn't love me or he doesn't love me. And it's like, it's that's, that's the actual problem. It's all the crap, the story that comes after it. I think if we just allowed life to just do its stuff and we make the intentions that I want to be better, I want to give up drugs, I want to reach the light, I want to meditate, I want to do a handstand, and there is a journey of it, then then there isn't actually a problem. We just create these problems out of this story. I mean, don't get me wrong, I haven't I haven't learned how to completely switch it off. <laughs> it still does it, but I, I get what Eckhart Tolle says, and I'm like, in my life now, whenever I do fuck up or I do things, I'm like, there is no story to it anymore. So ah, like, oh, okay, let me feel that. Mm. Let me experience that. Let it float past me. Because if I create, if I attach and create a story to it, that makes it 10 times worse for me personally. I think humans are always sort of seeking out problems though, sort of subconsciously. It's like we need them to cling to because then what is there? Is it just, is is peace and bliss like the, the answer all of the time? Or is it about kind of having these problems, falling off balance to mm. then return home to the peace? Is that mm. kind of part of the journey? I don't know. Would it be boring to be like really blissful all the time? <laughs> One thing, <laughs> Hunter S. Thompson, do you know Hunter S. Thompson, that writer, like the badass Gonzo writer? He wrote, and I'm not going to do it justice, he said, no one's want wants their problems fixed, their lives solved, because what would we just have left? A big, scary unknown. Well, yeah, yeah. that's it, yeah. What's behind all of it? <laughs> well, you know, where I am in my meditation, well, not where I am. <laughs> I love that. I love catching myself where <laughs> I am. Where am I? Clue. <laughs> my meditation practice. It's hilarious <laughs> watching this projection of reality floating through the universe is amazing <laughs> so where i am in my practice um <laughs> is uh after 20 years of meditating like i feel like it's got even more bonkers if i'm honest it's like there are no there is no addictions anymore there are i haven't got these cravings and these lusts for women or for drugs and you know but now i'm just in this emptiness where i'm like well now what like mm. like where who am i you know, and that's and and I like sharing that with people in the meditation because if we go in those practices, that's where that's where, that's where we're going to be coming when we like you're saying when we let go of these problems. The brain is a is a problem solving machine. It wants to do something. It wants to solve problems. It's always judging. You know, like there's nothing wrong with judgment. It judges the food. Is it too hot? Is it too cold? It judges the weather. And then we've kind of come in this whole psychology and self help industry saying don't judge and let go of the ego. <laughs> it's like that's its job. It's like it's it's great. But then when you meditate and you go into so much emptiness, I'm just like. Well, now what? Like, <laughs> it's like, you're just so aware. You're like, and, and it can be a scary place. You know, I'm not saying I want to go back to the crack, <laughs> but it can be a, it can be a bit of a wobble. And I'm, I've experienced that probably in the last year more than, more than ever in a good way. I'm like, okay, this is the next thing. No story. Let's just go through it and see what happens. Mm. But when did you start working with other people? I guess you found purpose in that, haven't you? You've done lots of stuff with individuals, with young offenders, with Prince's Trusts, et cetera. You've written a book. So at what point did You've you- done your homework. I love it. I love <laughs> I it. I know my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so like, at what point did you then like, decide to work with people? In this film. really early yeah yeah really when i came back from thailand and i and that because i'd spent five years trying to give up alcohol and struggling and going through the stories when i'd done the vow in thailand and came back and then moved i was just like there was just no crap i probably went out to a club once and i was like looked at everyone drinking i was like this ain't for me no more and it felt like it was just done mm. and i just 
I moved to my mum's and I saw my first cow and I was in Salisbury. I'm like, well, what am I going to do now? And there was just, it just, again, all these synchronicities or the universal signs. There was a sign for a counselling course in the local college and I've got no GCSE. So I went to this, <laughs> went to this counselling course, thought I was going to become a counsellor. And they basically, <laughs> turned, they, they, they basically let me do the introduction, probably like for beginners, like counselling for dummies. Yeah. But they kind of, they bas- basically in a very kind way, just said, look, I don't think you're going to get through the, the diploma um, because of my spelling and my writing. And that was cool. But as they were saying that, I did the introduction for like six weeks or whatever it was. Mm. There was a sign on the um, notice board and it was for a drug and alcohol dropping centre. And so like literally I've been off of like done my, my little vow in Thailand, been off of drugs and alcohol for like nearly six months. And I found this little, like it said, we're looking for volunteers. And so I rang the lady up and she said, well, what qualifications have you got? I said, well, I haven't smoked crack for six, weeks, six months. <laughs> <laughs> she said, well, no, but I mean, have you got any kind of like diplomas? And I was like, I'm going to be honest, like this academic stuff, I've got no GCSEs. And you know that, that, that honesty, she gave me an interview oh. and then, yeah, fast forward, she gave me a full-time job. I was a key worker for homeless people and addicts for like years. Became an, addiction, became an addiction specialist. They trained me. They sent me on all my trainings, got lots of certificates and oh. it was beautiful. And I was like, wow, just because I was honest, you know, maybe naive. I just like, oh, I've got no qualifications, but it, it, it just worked out for me. And, and that was the beginning. And, and I just, as I was working with all the homeless people, like I just realized that we're all in this together. You know, mm. I thought my problem was only my problem. I think that's what the ego does. You have a little problem going on and you think you're the only one that's going through it, yeah. but there's millions of people going through addiction. There's millions of people going through depression. And, and when you stop identifying with it so personally, like when I did in the drop, drop-in center, and I realized that actually by serving others, I was kind of helping myself. And in fact, I probably grew more volunteering, working with them than I actually did by trying to like you know, change myself that they, they became my gurus, my teachers. And wow. um, even though they were homeless people, even though they were using and even though they challenged me and they triggered me and it was like the best job in the world. And I spent like years doing it for nothing. Wow. I was working in a factory at nighttime, seven o'clock at night till four o'clock in the morning, stacking shelves. And like, you'd think you'd be knackered and you want to sleep all day because you've done a night shift. So I got home at four, probably fall asleep about five, get to sleep at five. I'd wake up at eight o'clock, three hours sleep. And I'd, I'd run to the train station. I'd get there as a volunteer and I was buzzing full of energy because they just made me feel alive. And I think I learned then that giving back and serving other people was, was the currency for me. It was like, ah, oh, this contribution buzz mm. was it just, it just ticked all the right boxes for me. Got my juices flowing. Mm. And what were you doing with them? Were you doing any kind of meditation as part of that? Was it more practical? I just stuff? sold them drugs. I just sold them drugs. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you were so Made popular. Made a of money and moved to Thailand. <laughs> <laughs> um i just was very creative you know i created dj clubs i created football teams i created like even like something as simple as fry up fridays we used to call it and i back then i weren't like so health conscious and vegan and i'd go and buy like you know eggs bacon sausages and i'd have all these homeless people like you know literally sleeping in cardboard box injecting herring in their groin you know they would come in and on a friday They'd have to wash their hands on a Friday. They'd have to fill out one of my little questionnaires. They'd have to do a gratitude dance. They'd have to do all of these things. And, and for one pound, as a, as a family, as like a, a, as a group of people, we would all cook a fry up with each other. And then we would all sit down at a table and eat it. And I'm getting goosebumps sharing that. But just having those conversations, creating that normal environment for people that are so outcasted, 
it literally opened so many people up. You know, they spoke yeah. about their abuse. They spoke about their addiction. You know, you sit down in a room with a clipboard and say, tell me about your drug addiction. Tell me about what happened when you was a child. It's just, it's just not how we communicate, you know? Mm. So I just did very out of the box things. Like, like once, <laughs> once I went to my manager, I said, I need 200 quid. And she's like, what for? Like, off the budget. I said, I want to hire a minibus and take everyone to the beach and buy them fish and chips. Oh. She went, how can we do that on the budget, Brett? I said, trust me. <laughs> and somehow she just believed in me and she let me do all these things. And I got 200 quid. I think our fish and chip bill was like 60 quid. <laughs> and me and my other mate, this key worker, we drove them all down on the minibus to Bournemouth and we had like a day out on the beach. But you think about somebody that's been abused or in and out of prison or, or sleeping in cardboard boxes, they've never been to the beach for the day. They've never had somebody. And I, I just became friends with them. If, if, they, if I could sum it up, I, I was just being friendly with people. Mm. Um, and I did treat them like mates. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> it was amazing. Holy it really enough. helped me. I, I, think I, I feel like I really want to share that more than anything. Cause like that really helped me maybe stay on this path. That really helped me become who I am today. Like, if it wasn't for many of those people, maybe I would have gone back. Maybe, like that contribution and giving back, it allowed me to realize that this ego and the stories that I'm creating is is just, I think a lot of people can get so stuck in their story and they're trying to work themselves out. I'm not, I'm not saying avoid it and definitely share and talk about it and be vulnerable, but you can get so lost in it. When you when you create your life a bit bigger than you, like, like Adam, his purpose is to teach yoga and get out there for all of the thousands of students. And like, I see all your photos on Instagram. And I'm like, wow, like you hold that space for so many people. It's like your purpose is bigger than you. It's like it's about us. And I think that's such a key in life. Well, in my experience, I, I think. What you said there about being a friend, I think is so valuable. I think anyone with any kind of power or influence or even a role often will try and transcend that or try and become uh, the boss or the guru and put themselves to some degree on a pedestal and will see themselves as different to the other people. And actually people want realness, don't they? In a world that can be so artificial, you know, whether it be through social media or just, you know, people wearing a face, especially in big cities, having something real. Is really and the honesty that you said when you spoke to the, the the key worker to get the job initially to be very honest in a world of like fake it till you make it actually just saying no this is who I am is so like, have you do you still advocate that or do you actively advocate that idea of being real and just being the same level as other people can you speak yeah, to that a little bit yeah yeah hundred percent yeah I think it's very important I, 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 just to give you a story I remember a few years ago Vacasa actually probably like four or five years ago there was a lovely yoga teacher she was amazing. And I just noticed that every lunchtime she would not sit with her students. Mm. She had a, she was doing a yoga teacher training and it was in the first week. And, you know, I had a retreat running. I had like 15 people there. She had like the people on her training. And uh, when we had our kind of like, I, I had to have a break or the, all, the, all of the students on our retreat would go off and go to the beach or whatever, you know, I'd be just sitting at the restaurant, chilling out on those beanbags at Vacasa eating cake and vegan stuff. Oh, yeah, so <laughs> and she would, she would, she would come over and, and she goes, oh, I'm having a bit of a problem. And I was like, well, what's the problem? She goes, well, I don't know what it is. I feel like they're kind of going against me. And I was like, and, and I was just like, I was like, well, why are you not sitting with them at lunchtime? Why are you not being like engaged? Because, oh, you know, you have to let them know that you're the teacher. You have to let. And for me, and I, I didn't, I'm not disagreeing with her, but it's just definitely not my approach. I was like, that creates separation mm. for me. It's like, I'm just like you. Yeah, I'm teaching the class, but I'm still, I'm still human. I still have these things that are going on. I felt like she kind of created such a separation that in the end, like they actually felt that separation. She thought it was better to be more of a teacher. And I'm not saying it's not right or wrong. I, I don't know the answer, but I said to her, why don't you just sit down and have breakfast with them 
and just share who you are. Why don't you just, and she literally tried it like a couple of days. And then by the end of the, like the training, it was a different story. They loved her and everyone was great. And it was, and I just said, like, I don't think that you should be, and this is just my opinion. I don't think that you should be a teacher where you think that you've sussed it or you're a guru, or I think like we're all in this together. We're all struggling in one way and we're all growing in one way. So um, yeah, I saw it firsthand and it's just something that I've just lived my life by. Like this, this Monday, I think it was, you know, last year we started a meditation company, just me on the laptop on a beach. And now we've got like five people. We've trained hundreds of students, impacted thousands of people. I still haven't got a clue what I'm doing. (laughs) And I'm sitting on a team meeting. I'm sitting on a team meeting with five people on Monday. And they're looking at me. I'm like, guys, I just need to be honest. Right now I'm going through a bit of fear in the company. We've invested a lot of money in marketing. We're doing it. I said, I don't know if it's going to work. And I've got these things that are coming up. And I was just very vulnerable with my team or the people that are supposed to be looking up to me Mm -hmm. to be led. And, you know, it was such an icebreaker. Every single one of them sent me a private message and said, thank you so much. Well, they didn't send me a message, but they really appreciated it. And they sent me like a, a Facebook or an Instagram and just said like, and, and actually just had a meeting with one of them today. And she was just then vulnerable to me. She just said, I just want to share something. And I think that power of vulnerability and just putting your hands up and not trying to separate, I think it creates more of a connection yeah, with each other. Totally. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, completely. There's a really nice quote, actually. It's, it's something like, um, don't aim for perfection because you'll have no one to relate to and it's true how can you how can you relate to anyone who's just trying to be perfect all the time it does put up a barrier definitely and I know when I've shared you know my most vulnerable things with the world it does build such a connection that's when you get the most messages you get people thanking you for sharing like you said about problems like people realize that they're not the only one going through things um and people are just attracted I think to to authenticity and truth and I think that this uh wellness industry is going towards that actually it's sort of the pendulum swung so far the other way and it is sort of coming back towards truth again slowly well that's what I surround myself with I I definitely agree Mm. but I think there's also sometimes swinging right the other way where people are kind of artificially vulnerable. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, you can see you see that <laughs> yeah. as well. Like filming themselves crying. I'm like, well, <laughs> why, don't just, why don't you just why don't you just stop filming and do your talk when you're more composed? Don't keep filming. <laughs> I just yeah, I, I struggle with that but, a little bit. But, you know, there's another. No. Sorry, I've just thought of, I do love a quote. Um, there's a lovely quote by uh, what's that? Shot short. How do you say her name? Sean Corn. She wrote Revolution of the Soul. Sean, isn't it? I think it's. Or maybe Sean. I'm saying it in American accent because Mia, my, my teacher, Mia Toko, okay. says Sean Corn. Anyway, she's got a lovely book called Revolution of the Soul. And she says, uh, just try and see the soul beneath the story. And, you know, yes. even when people are on Instagram and they're, okay, they're doing the fake vulnerability or they're not being authentic. I just think, like you said, we're all people just doing our best, aren't we? And maybe there's yeah. just some need to be validated. And can you find compassion with the person that's putting themselves forward in that mm. way? See the soul beneath yeah. the story. And, and see, I love you that. You see the soul by looking at someone's face. I thought you were going to say looking at someone's Instagram. Oh, you know. But you know, there's, a, there's a wonderful writer, musician called Kate Tempest. Oh, yeah. Who is just, you've come across her at all, Kate Tempest. She's like rapper. Like, I've she, heard of She's rapper, spoken word. Like she's from, she's got quite a rough upbringing. Just what she does with words is out of this world. Mm. And she's got a song, and I recommend everyone listen to it, called People's Faces. Oh, yeah. And it's all about just, again, looking at people's faces mm. and really seeing them. And if you look at someone's face, you can't hate them. If you look into their eyes, mm. no matter who they are, you can't hate them. Mm, that's yeah. lovely. And a step yeah. forward, actually, if you hug someone. Oh. There's a wonderful thing. If, this isn't to do with Kate Tempest, but I believe the idea that no matter what kind of row you've had with someone, 
uh, or how much you don't like them in that moment. If you hug someone and show someone love, and that's what you're doing when you hug someone, everything else it disappears. Melts away. It can't. It, yeah. You can't say angry when there is love being shown. Love wins. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hashtag love. I love it. I'd like to know about yeah. your um your meditation. So because you know I've I've been meditating for a while, but generally I just sort of sit and watch my thoughts, and I've I've tried a few different techniques. Um, so I'd be interested to know. Um, sort of where you started your meditation journey and what kind of techniques you explore because I know you've spent a long time developing your own technique which you've put into a book so um, you know for people that are interested in starting um, it'd be nice to hear a little bit about your journey and how you found what you've got today. Yeah like I say I found meditation the first place I found meditation was in a prison is in a prison library I was in the prison library on a drug deal and I was waiting for somebody to turn up to I was waiting for someone to turn up with some drugs. And like I said, I'd never, like, you know, back then I never read a book in my life. I had no interest in, in that stuff or spirituality. I didn't even know what that meant, you know? And I was in the prison library waiting for the drugs and the guy didn't turn up. And I was like, no, he's been caught. So I'm in this library waiting for drugs, thinking that all of the prison officers or screws, whatever you want to call them, I think like somehow they know that I'm there waiting for drugs. So I just pretended that I'm looking for books. So I'm just like looking on these books. And somehow I, somehow I ended up in this spiritual self-help rubbish. And um, as crazy as it sounds, this book fell off the shelf and it was called Moment by Moment by Jerry Brazar. And I picked the book up, read the back of it, and it was just like so simple. It was just mindfulness. It wasn't a religion, not that Buddhism is. It wasn't preaching. It was just mindfulness. And there was just a few key things on the back of that book um, that just, just it, it, you know, I was in that prison library and I was, as I read, I don't know if you've ever read a book before where you just lose everything, you just disappear yeah. and you're just in the book. Yeah. And as crazy as it sounds, I was free. I, I wasn't in prison. I was in the book for a second. I was like, wow. So I stole the book and took it back to myself. <laughs> <laughs> stole it from the library because i was so in my ego thinking if anybody sees me reading a book about spirituality you know i've got to be a bloke in prison they're gonna terrorize me and bully me or beat me so i stole the book put it down my pants and i bopped back to my cell like a gangster um, and then I, I, I laid in the, i laid in my i've got a book here and i laid in my prison cell and i'd sneak like sneakily read a page at a time because honestly as, as crazy as it is, like you're smoking crack on the outside, you're dealing drugs, you're doing like armed robberies with your mates. But when you find a book and you start talking to yourself about God or spirituality, you think you got, I felt like I was going crazy. Mm. Like I wasn't in a yoga class with a load of beautiful people. I wasn't doing, you know, child's pose. I was in a prison cell thinking, oh my God, Brett, you've lost the plot. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so that was my beginnings, backstory to, to, to meditation. But you know what I discovered? It was the prison is the, is the mind. Mm. You know, I've met more people that have never committed a crime in their life and they're living a life sentence in their head, mm, wow. you know, and I was in a prison cell and I practiced meditation for eight months, the first sentence, and I was free. I was like the happiest prisoner you've ever met because in my mind I was empty. I was free. Yeah. I mean, obviously thoughts were still going and I still had, you know, again, I went to prison again after a year later, but I started to understand the nature of the mind. I started to understand that the mind clings on to stories. It clings on to, you know, shame, guilt, emotions or addictions. And, and that we could then start to not control the mind, but kind of watch the mind, like becoming aware of the nature of the mind mm. to me was the key to freedom. And so uh, that's my, that was my, that was my start to prison. And Can I, and I ask went one and... question there. You said you couldn't, you didn't want to be seen <clears throat> reading the book. But somehow you managed to actually meditate. Like what, what, how did you meditate without being seen? In, in the prison cell. I said, are, we, are you alone in the prison cell? Yeah, so, so yeah, sorry, mate. Yeah, so I went alone, yeah. But like, 
Yeah, I was alone. Okay, so you could you could be as hippie as you wanted when you were in your cell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I even, <laughs> I even tried to I even tried to do the lotus position, but I think I almost broke a knee. Like, <laughs> but you know, my idea of of meditation was like these gurus in these lotus positions, and you had to be some kind of monk. And yeah, I completely got it wrong back then. Obviously, I judged this whole spiritual thing and thought it was uh, that. And then in the end, you know, to be honest with you, most of my meditations were just sitting on my bed because my back was aching and stiff, and all I was doing was just watching the breath. That was my first meditation. Just watch the breath. Like you said, no, I noticed that my mind was mental. Mm. There were crazy thoughts. There was lots of shame. There was emotions. Tears would come out naturally. That would then make me feel weak and like a wimp. You know, I'd have all of these. Like, and I, I was just like, I had nowhere to go. I was locked in a prison cell and I was just, I was just practicing. This is why I think the lockdown for people has been the best thing ever. If you look, use it wisely, it's like yeah. best thing that ever happened to me was going to prison and being locked away and taking a good look at myself. I was like, thank you, God. Like, thank you, universe. It was like amazing. So that was my first experience of prison. And, and then I went to, uh, sorry, of meditation. I went to the temples. I practiced with the monks. And again, I found it very, some of it was strict. And some, then I listened to some gurus and it was just a bit too fluffy and woo-woo. They was talking about all this different stuff. And I just kind of went on my own journey with it. You know, I, I'm not Buddhist. I'm not religious. Um, I don't think meditation is like, I think meditation is just a tool mm. to understand the mind. Um, and in the last kind of like five or six years, I've just, I, I thought meditation was about controlling the mind and like watching the mind. And now I realize that it's, it's this tool is a way to go beyond the mind and meet your true self, your mm. essence, you know, in Tantra, we talk about the essence and divine. And, and I think that's what meditation is the gift to go. Oh, wow. I'm not Brett. I'm not this ego. I'm not these roles that I play. I'm going to play them. I'm going to be doing that. I'm going to be a yoga teacher and author, but there is this soul. There's this essence. There's this oneness. So I now in the last few years, that's what I use meditation for more than anything is to, to go into that essence and then to go into the oneness where you're in like a, a space of emptiness and there is no mind, you know, it's not, yeah, there's, there's lots of um, stuff I could probably go on about, but I get lost even talking about it. I'm like, what are you on about, mate? It's just, you, you just got to go there. I, I always say to people, for me, the meditations that we share now, it's like trying to describe the taste of a coconut to somebody. I can't describe the taste of a coconut to somebody. You've got to taste the coconut. And it's the same as this bliss that the yogis talk about. It's the same as this, whatever they want to describe it as, this emptiness. It's mm. like, when you taste it, it makes more sense. While you're talking about it, it's just a very abstract thing for me. Mm. So, yeah. How did you deal with people, I'm sure, like slating you on the way, like old friends being like, what the hell are you doing? Mm, or yeah. even people being, or even the other way around, like, like spiritual people saying, well, you can't be a meditation teacher based on your background. So both ways, like the old people telling you, who are you? And the new people saying, yeah. how dare you? <laughs> yeah, how dare you meditate? <laughs> two, funny, two funny stories about that. One was my dad, actually told my mates that I joined the cult and I've gone crazy <laughs> just for a laugh. My dad's a proper geezer. You know, he's not racist anymore. He got married to a beautiful Thai woman. He went off on his own transformation. Wow. Amazing story. Um, did you, well, sorry, did, were you an inspiration I, for that at all? I don't think, I think what maybe we were, maybe, I don't know. We were both maybe, so I, don't, I, don't, I don't really know. I think, right. yeah, we just went on off our journeys wow. and somehow I feel like Thailand saved us both. And, oh you know, he met his Thai wife. He got married and lived in the, north of thailand for 20 odd years and mm. you know i went off on my journey with the monks and the temples um and and so yeah so but for, because he's a geezer and he's laughed full of banter you know our family just <laughs> banter banter don't take it too seriously and so like i, I came back one time my mate my mate goes to me he goes are you, are you in a cult <laughs> 
because you've got a tattoo of a, of a, of a monk or a Buddha and I, I heard that you go to these temples and I just laughed. I just thought it was funny. So I think I just, I just went off on my own journey back then. I saw my mates doing the same thing. I'm not judging them, going to the same pubs, taking the same drugs, repeating the same patterns. And I was like, you can take the piss out of me. You can say what you want behind my back, but I'm just now like that became my addiction, mm. the path. It was just like, I'm going to freedom and I'm not going to stop until I get it. So it wasn't that bad to be honest with you it wasn't that bad what i did notice like some people kind of like take the piss behind your back but what i noticed more after about 10 years maybe even and especially now like literally one of my friends that i used to smoke crack with flew to thailand today to go to that temple that i went to oh, wow wow you know i've taken clients to that temple that i used to work in that dropping center raise money to help people get there i've flown i've flown with people to get to these temples and i think when you just go on your path and believe in it so much, you, I'm not trying to say it about Brett. I'm just saying this for anyone listening. Mm. It's scary. You will get judged. People will take the piss out of you. And it's even sad when your own family don't believe in you and take the piss mm. out of you. But you become such an inspiration for others. Mm. Silently, subconsciously, you give some permission to other people to raise consciousness. Mm. And I was like, wow, this isn't about you, Brett. Just go for it 100 miles per hour. And now some of those mates that I'd been locked up with are like, um, Brett, how do I start <laughs> meditating? Oh, uh, <laughs> And I would never, I would never sit back and go, oh, you know, I'm like, read this book, do this, go there, get to the temple, do this, do everything it takes, you know, quit, quit the drugs, quit your friends. So yeah, the funny story is my dad told everyone I was in a cult <laughs> and uh, I just discovered along the way, like, if you want it bad enough, you've just got, you've just got to put 110% in it. I, I wanted it so bad. Because if I didn't, I'd probably end up dead or I'd been in prison for like life, you know? I wanted it so bad that I had to leave my daughter and her mum, you know, moved two or three hours and broke up mm. that family. And I'm glad I did. She got remarried. She had another kid and it's amazing. But I never got to see my, I never took my daughter to school every morning. I never did the, you know, I was a part-time dad and I was a great dad. But there's lots of things that I missed out, but that's how bad I needed it yeah. or wanted it or yeah. the universe made me do it. I don't know what way around it works, but... I think if you want it bad enough and it, and if you're thinking about, you know, suicide, yeah. depression, you know, definitely reach out and speak to people. But there is a power within you if you just trust it. Mm. It's bigger than your voice. It's bigger than your emotions. It's whatever you want to label it. There's something within you that will just guide you and mm. create miracles along the way. So let people judge you. Let them think that you're in a cult. Let them think that you're weird because you're spiritual. Like, mm. You know, you'll change and they'll still be doing the same stuff. Not judging them, but they'll still be doing the same stuff. And then just to come to your second question, um, I was at that Bulgaria retreat where me and you were yeah. naked, half naked in a, in a, in a sauna. Oh, oh, other, this is the guy. <laughs> there, there are many guys. There are, there are many guys. Oh. <laughs> and um, when we, uh, uh, yeah, I'm sure obviously you had to do lots of filming in it as well. Like you're amazing sharing all your classes and they put a little bit of makeup on you, didn't they? You know, you yeah. had to go into a little room and they put some makeup. And I don't know it. about you, but I always find that a bit, oh, this is odd. You know, put a little bit of mascara, not mascara. <laughs> Shit, that's my secrets. <laughs> but like face stuff on you, whatever it's called. And I remember sitting in that, um, in that room and one lady, she was a, a more of a mature lady. And obviously she was really into the, the spiritual world and she she asked me who i trained with or who my guru with who my guru was like and and kind of basically what gave me the the qualifications to be a meditation teacher and i said no one i said i'm my teacher I said i've been studying myself for 20 years like and she goes well you can't teach meditation if you haven't had a teacher and i looked at her and i thought wow like again my opinion but i was like I wouldn't follow you anywhere. Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to listen to whatever my, I this is what I say to all of my students. If you look at me and my Instagram, and you think I'm a teacher, you're lost. 
close your eyes, listen to your inner guru. You are the teacher. Mm. And when that lady said that to me, it really opened my eyes up to the, to the industries that people get lost in. I'm like, I'd rather just listen to this voice. And I'm, and if I'm going to get it wrong, great. Then at least I'm getting it wrong and I'm mm. listening to my voice. You know, if you need a certificate to teach you and you, I'm not saying I'm not, saying you don't need this stuff to keep health and safety rules but like i don't think anybody's my guru or, or anyone else's guru i think it's us yeah. there's loads of teachers out there that i love and 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 yeah i like being a mentor to people but i think at the end of the day the ultimate teacher is yourself so again when i heard that lady say it it didn't really put me off it just actually made me think about if I was going to teach something to my students or, you know, if we had a company and we, we trained people, that would be the main message. Yes. We're going to give you the meditations. Yes. We're going to share loads of Instagram photos and inspiration and give you a certificate to become a teacher. But you know, you're the teacher, like really, really want to empower people to, mm. to, to find power within them. Um, so she'd done me a favor. It was so mm. great that she kind of asked me these questions. I was like, wow, like you've been doing this for a lot longer than me, but you think someone else is, your, your power so yeah that opened my eyes do you think you sort of talked about you know people that have come into your path a book that's you know fallen off the shelf all these sort of random things happening to you I mean I personally don't believe that things are random but I'm just interested in do you think that all of these things were kind of put into your path to lead you along your path to your ultimate purpose here on earth or do you think it's all just random and you know it's free will making the choice that day to improve your life this is okay a bit of a deep one but I like going no it's a great I don't know the answer but it gives me goosebumps that's all I can say roof bumps come up as you speak about like we don't know um I was on a a retreat in Ibiza I was running a retreat and um one of our students came along and she said her dad who passed away said coincidences are god's way of remaining anonymous oh my god that's so good i just and got goosebumps it was so late just i mean I, again i don't believe in a man in the sky with a mm. beard sitting in the cloud but there's got to be some kind of intelligence in this universe because um yeah there's a lot more power out there right and i was like wow like it wasn't a coincidence you found a book it's not a coincidence that you two met it's not a coincidence that you become a teacher there's something that's guiding us this mm. intelligence yeah. a little bit bigger than the intellect of the of the ego there's an intelligence yeah. um and so I, I don't know the answer to it i just know it gives me goosebumps if i follow it and if i stay on my practice it just gets better and better every year and I feel freer and freer and I feel like I do meet that essence inside mm-hmm. when I watch too many Netflix when I eat too much chocolate or watch pornography whatever it is like <laughs> these little things that I go off and do I just feel I feel in the in the shadow I feel in this lull I get depressed so to speak so yeah that, that's all I'm trying to do is follow the intelligence rather than my intellect and mm-hmm. I think that there is a higher power or something I don't know the answer. You know what? I, I, here's one for you. I'm really into visualization. I don't know if you guys are a law of attraction, yeah. you know, and, but I'm also very into being practical and taking action. You can't sit at home on your bum and no. imagine that you're going to win the lottery. I think you've got to go and buy a lottery ticket, right? If you want to win the lottery. <laughs> so I'm also into like, your mind is powerful. There's so many studies, you know, that you can visualize your outcomes, but you've still got to get off your bum and you've got to take action. And then I was talking to a group of people. I had like 20 people in a room and I was just talking to them. I was like, hang up a minute. What if it's the other way around? You know, all these concepts of birth and death, these are all just words, you know, we're alive and we're not, you know, all of these things are concepts and we're moving. We're told that we're born and in this linear, we're kind of moving towards the future. I'm like, well, what if it's the other way around? What if you've already done all of this? And when you visualize, you meet this person, quantum reality, this future self, who's like looking back at you, trying to say, pick up that book in prison, ask her out on a date, get the cottage that you're in, interview Brett on a podcast, you know, me. And I'm like, 
what if there is again it gives me goosebumps i don't know the answer it just boggles my brain I'm you have like, to am i visualizing the future or, or has it happened and that's coincidences you have to read a book then it's called quantum warrior and it basically Ooh. it talks all about what you've just said and it, it blew my mind so you you'll love it quantum warrior if anyone else is interested in what brett's just said <laughs> go and read it one one thing i'd consider with this and i'm, I'm kind of open to things but one thing i would consider i'm slightly different to holly is we often look back at good things that happened to us that sent us on a good path and say it was meant to be but when someone is in a bad state and something bad has happened to them in their life and then die or their relative dies we relatively say well maybe maybe they were meant to be in the shop that day when there was a shooting it was just meant meant to be we we often say in reflection to good things well but yeah good things rather than bad things bad. that happened to us yeah, yeah yeah bad thing or that happened to other people that we that we like but i think what i was going one thing that i think is really important that you that i really resonate with is the idea of being open being open to things coming to you and receiving things because that's where mm. as you said lots of people live in their own prison in their own head and they're closed off to any opportunities that come, can come and any kind of anything slightly woo or anything slightly spiritual or anything surprising at any different path beyond the path of least resistance and i think what's so important is to stay open to new paths as they arise new opportunities and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah there's I, a great quote there's a great quote by bob proctor he says people with um limited minds live limited lives mm. I love that. If your mind is just very, you know, you know, I come from a council state and it was racist and money, you don't, you don't make money. And, you know, all of these kind of limiting beliefs on the council state, um, people are still living in that council state and they're living a very limited life. Since I started to remove all these hidden beliefs, society's beliefs, my parents' beliefs, not judging anyone. I never mm. blame anyone. I just want to get rid of this crap, you know, and be free. Yeah. Oh my God, I've traveled around the world. I've earned more money than I could ever imagine. I'm just living an absolute dream. And I'm like, wow, the only thing that's happened is the mind has started to expand or, mm. you know, this experience of the mind. But just going back to what you said, a bit kind of philosophical, if we go beyond the concept of, good and bad things happening to us and just things are happening mm. and feel like letting go of all of these stories because i agree with you it's like you know, people tell me oh it's 11 11 it's great this is a sign there's <laughs> so, so much spiritual jargon at the moment it's the moon and it's the aquarius and it's this and i'm just like but yeah but when you just have a car crash or when you bang your toe why is that not why is that not a great thing like mm. i i get what you so i'm just trying to get out of all the stories now and just like oh okay the universe is doing that right now yeah. oh okay that's happened and because i feel like i think just your point is so important you can get a little bit too lost in being positive and it's like it's happening for a reason it's the universe and it's, mm. it's like you just got i also like to be a bit real and a bit kind of like awake to maybe death isn't even a bad thing it's just mm. happening you know this stuff because i think the story can create more suffering mm. it's getting away from good and bad and right yeah. and wrong and dark and light and yeah. letting go of duality and just it's, it all is what it is yeah and i think that this idea of being receptive to the world and a few mm. of the meditations I do are, you know, the idea behind, you know, receptive listening. So hearing stuff around you, but without adding language, without adding thought, without imagining what is making that noise, but just receiving sound like a microphone. You know, a microphone doesn't differentiate, it doesn't think about what's making it, it's just receiving it. But you can do that with anything, can't you? You can just receive what happens around you, as you say, without judgment, without commentary, without narratives, and just observe change. And then when you observe and, change, and and let, well. yeah, and w let change happen, I think you are able to then respond to the world in a far more loving and genuine way. Mm. Yeah, I like that. I suppose that's the ultimate, isn't it? Being that 
absolute consciousness where you're just observing the whole lot, the mm. feelings, the thoughts, the experiences, the mm. dramas, the, you're just like watching, you're yeah. this witness. Do you know what, sometimes so, it is, so, sorry, sometimes it is, uh, it's fun to get a little bit pissed off and like have a good old cry, isn't it? Because I don't want to be someone that's like, you know, separated from my emotions and just watching it. Sometimes I just want to dive straight in and just like ball on the floor and punch a pillow and or, or me or me <laughs> or Adam, or you. you know, depending on the day. <laughs> Where you got that black eye from? <laughs> on the podcast. Poor old Adam's got two black eyes. Right? No, no, he's not. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, we because I think in the yogi world, it's can, people can get obsessed with kind of becoming just consciousness and transcending and kind of being not above it all, but just. Um, you know, I always think we are humans here to have a human experience and to experience the the hard times and all like the difficult emotions and all the the struggles of the mind. And I don't know. I always, I'm just thinking, is the goal to sort of transcend above all of that, or to, or to, or to feel it all? I don't think I phrase that very well. Yeah, no, you make perfect. No, yeah, good. makes sense. Yeah. Tell us a little bit. We'll do some quick fire things at the end. But tell us about this course you got. You got a course starting yeah. when the tenth. Of October? Yes, we have we have we have meditation. We have a ten week meditation, breath work, and sound healing course. Um, and it starts. Yes, yeah, so it's basically every week for five hours. Um, and we've got the next one starting on the tenth of October. And then we run them every couple of months. And so basically, we get a group of people. Sometimes we have like fifty to a hundred people from all around the world. They come on and um, they go through eight meditations that I share, which are in the book and which are in our course. And I think the best thing that I love about our program, and again, this isn't Brett's program. It's honestly, I know it sounds really woo-woo, but it's just channeled through me. Mm. And it's just meditations that I've learned since prison to where I am now. It's the meditations that I shared with the homeless people and the drop-in centers or with my private clients, you know, and, and I just shared these meditations. They just came out and I just shared them on this 10-week course. And we've, we've run it now a number of, number of times. And the best thing that I love about it more than anything is like, I think to be a great leader or a great teacher, you can only you can only take your students as far as you're willing mm. to go. I can sit here and talk to you about the things that I talked about with confidence and conviction if I'm still smoking crack or if I'm still <laughs> scared to share that I watch a bit of porn or I eat chocolate when no one's looking, you know? I'm just vulnerable and honest. I'm not ashamed of that. And I think if you... I know I'm going off on a complete tangent now. I don't know how we go come from 10 weeks to porn, but that's how we get there. <laughs> <laughs> but, what I'm but what I'm trying to say is that I think the best... The, the, the good teachers are ones that do the work yeah. and the ones that are real so what we do if you two join the course we pair people up with each other so for 10 weeks you become a meditation teacher and you basically watch our meditations and every monday to friday like for 30 minutes each way you have to teach a guided meditation to the other person and oh my god guys like the transformation and the changes that people have been sharing is phenomenal because when i did my yoga teacher training it was like at the end of it i was like well now what like I was nervous to teach. I didn't know where I was doing it right. And it's just, it, I just learned over those years, not saying that any of it's right or wrong, but I just learned, oh, okay, if I ever do a class, I want people to get straight in, teach each other. We talk about past traumas. We do visualizations. We go into the emptiness. We connect to the soul. But every single week you team up with like, quote unquote, a stranger or a friend that you've not met yet. And you teach that meditation for 10 full weeks. Oh, well, every week is different. You teach it. And we've just created such a tribe of people. Like it, it's honestly, it's phenomenal. We've had like a 12 year old girl go through the program. Wow. We've had 60 year old grandparents go through the program. We've had people quit their jobs. Now they're teaching corporate. Mm. You know, we've had one lady teach her first meditation class 
to a group of people, 70 people on Zoom. Wow. Um, and people are running their own retreats. And it's like, it's just took a life force of its own. Um, so I'm just channeling it. I'm just writing the book. You know, I'm just sharing these courses and, and it's just a lovely family. It's a lovely tribe. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not meditation where you close your eyes and you do a bit of breath work and you watch your thoughts go past, which I love. And I do that every day, but it is really roll your sleeves up, take a good look at yourself. Like we look at past, um, you know, uh, beliefs. We look at past traumas. We look at all of our emotional baggage. And then we go into the lighter stuff, like, you know, the emptiness and stuff like that. So it is hardcore if i'm honest it's not for everyone like on week four or five people are just in tears and they're talking about their traumas and and again kind of like the way that we i feel like we're similar like the way that we're talking yes you've got a story don't be a victim let's go into it don't deny the emotions like holly said feel them go for them but then come on let's get out of it and come back into the light Mm -hmm. they're there for a reason they're guiding you so we take people on a crazy journey and i don't know how they put up with brett um i'm just sharing loads loads of stories and going through it it's amazing sounds incredible should we do some mm. quick fires? Hang on. Before that, what's kind of the websites and stuff? Tell us just. Okay. Let's do what you do now. The web the website for that, how people would find out about it. We'll put a link I in just, the show notes as well. This is how great I am at my own business. I need to Google it. <laughs> <laughs> www.bodhi b o d h i bodhi yoga dot info. So www.bodhiyoga.info. Um, or you can go to my Instagram and there'll be a link on there. And there's lots and lots of free meditations, free kind of workshops that you can watch before you come and join us. And there's loads of stuff that you get when you join it. So check me out first. You know, you're either going to like it or you're not. Um, I want to make sure that it's right for people rather than just finding somebody and spending loads of money. Well, after a 50 minute conversation, I think people are listeners have a good idea of who you are yeah. at this point. <laughs> they like, like you. Mama. So we'll do, yeah, some of them already switched off. We've got half of them left. <laughs> right. <laughs> final, final little quick fire questions. Uh, Holla? I'm interested. You live in Thailand. Have you ever been attacked by a monkey? <laughs> Funny you saying that. I saw two monkeys jump out of a car today and took a load of photos of them just randomly in the high street, just oh. running around. Have I ever been attacked? No, not properly. No. Monkey selfie? It's, uh, Loads of selfies today. Insane that you just said that. <laughs> is, there, <laughs> is there any kind of quote or saying that keeps you, like, that always brings you back to a good place, that motivates you? Jack Canfield, I was watching The Secret. The first time I ever watched The Secret was in a drug and alcohol drop-in center. And he said, it doesn't matter where you've come from. It's where you're choosing to go that counts. And so I love living in the moment, being present in the now. This is where we're free. Like reality is in the now, I get it. It's not in the past. It's not in the future. But you're heading towards the future. So you might as well create a life that you dream of mm. living in a house with a swimming pool, three bedrooms and, you know, overlooking the ocean. So for me, it's like, it doesn't matter where you've come from. We've all come from dysfunctional backgrounds or had some kind of emotional, spiritual, psychological abuse or physical abuse. It's where you choose to go that counts. Like you can choose to be anyone you want in that future. Again, you got to work for it. It's taken me 20 years to get here. Crack to coconuts doesn't happen overnight, but it doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter about the cards that you get dealt. <clears throat> Where are you going? What story are you creating? What book are you creating while you live this epic adventure called life? That's what, best quote, and I live by it. I like, I like that other quote that you just said. What book are you creating? 
on the that was Brett Moran one. That was. Yeah, I like that one. <laughs> I've got that uh, Backstreet Boys song in my head now. It, uh, it don't care who you are, where you're from, <laughs> don't care what you did. As long, I thought you were going to join in with me at least. Right as long now. as you love. Anyway, yeah. moving on from that. Um, all right, <laughs> if you were looking back at your past self now, from your future self perspective, and you could tell your past self who was at rock bottom a few words to help that past self if we're doing quantum leaping what would you say to him just love yourself it's all about love all of this is about love all coming whether you really love yourself or you can love a partner or you can love animals and love life or love god it's just about love everything else is stuff we do in the way but if i would say anything to little brett it'd be like love yourself mate you're amazing And the final question, yeah. I think, is on the tip of my tongue for the last 60 minutes. You've got behind you four cushions. You've got two whale cushions next to each other then <laughs> two stars next to each other. I feel that most normal people would have alternated like whale, starfish, whale, starfish. Why have you got... I think that, that must say a lot about you. The fact you've got two, two. Can you talk to that? Yeah, it's, it's like I've got a cleaner from Burma that does it all for me. <laughs> I can't cook. I can't clean. I've got none of that. And I love, I love having people doing things. So she cool. does that. Next time she's here, I'm going to ask her. I feel there is some kind of psychotic tendency in, in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Get rid of her. That's the sign of a serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> this might Bang be goes the, my meditation group. This might be the last you ever hear from Brett. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's, been, it's been so wonderful to chat mate <laughs> mate so great to catch up with you mate I, it, was a, it was a beautiful um message to receive that you're doing podcasts and now be here and meet you holly as well and see how lovely it's all worked out it's beautiful thank you i'm very grateful honestly i'm balanced